Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. This show is brought to you by our patrons at patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. Scrolls Lorecast, a place where the Elder Scrolls community can come together to discuss the boundaries of our knowledge about the universe of the Elder Scrolls. That creepy music means it's time again for the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, and this is this was going to be our patron episode, but we decided to push it back a week. So if you are tuning in expecting to see a bunch of faces, then you might be disappointed to only see my face and Lotus's face, but especially my face, because Lotus is a beautiful man. <laughs> Lotus, how you doing, buddy? I like how we're just going very complimentary. Last time it was mm-hmm. like something weird about I probably smell lice, nice, even though I smell like lice. I don't know, <laughs> smell nice, even though uh, I was very hot. I don't, I don't know. It's very, it's very kind of you. It's, oh, you're welcome. It's real. I, I don't think that there's enough just uh, a kind kindness between men. You know, not non-homoerotic, just like dudes being nice to each other, just giving each other hugs. Being nice to each other, yeah, yeah, instead of us just immediately attacking each other. Yeah, I think... I, 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 think, I hear you know, that. I think we, you know, I think we need to bond a little bit better as as dudes, you know, and just kind of embrace the whole being nice to each other. Sometimes you give each well, other a hug. Sometimes that... Sometimes Boromir dies and you got to kiss him on the head and tell him, rest well, <laughs> son of Gondor, you know, and it's, and it's, it's just part of what you do because you're... You're just a dude and he's a dude and you fuck together, you know, it's just how it goes. And in honor of Mid-Year Mayhem, we're all on the same Ebonheart Pact side anyways. That's right. And if you're not on the Ebonheart Pact side, then what are you doing? What are you yeah. doing with your life? Um, yeah, Red Diamond Courier. What are you doing? With yeah, Red life? Diamond Courier. What are you doing with your life? All right. So enough with the inside jokes. Holy crap. Uh, welcome to the show, guys. We are wrapping up. Uh, I'm your host, Tom Robots. I don't think I said that, but if this is your first episode, thank you for tuning in. This is the Elder Scrolls Lorecast, and we've been working our way through the divines. We are up now to Zenithar, or at least down to, I guess, bottom of the alphabet, Zenithar. We're going to wrap up the divines this week, and it looks like next month we're gonna have to come up with some new topics to talk about so yep we're gonna we're gonna be brainstorming some things if there's so if there are things that we haven't covered or things that you would like us to cover more because we definitely haven't covered everything there's plenty more to cover but if there's specific topics that you would be interested in us covering please let us know and the best way to do that is either on twitter um or on discord jumping in the discord channel and just kind of sharing hey i've always wondered about this can you can you cover it a little bit more um but let's let's dive into xanathar lotus so yeah as usual we're pulling some information from the uesp uh it's, it's a wonderful source of consolidated knowledge but of course they have references to all the different places where they've pulled that knowledge from so you can always dig back into the sources and according to this article, it says Zenithar, the god of work and commerce, the provider of our ease is one of the divines. The traitor god is frequently seen as the same deity as the Bosmerid god Zen, Bos- Bosmeri god Zen. In the empire, however, Zenithar is considered a more <laughs> cultivated god of merchants and middle nobility, being the deity of wealth, labor, commerce and communication. 
Do you have you have any thoughts on this yet? Because it's it's dividing it up here between the Bosmeri God Zen and of course yeah. And we've we've dealt with this a lot. Usually the names are similar between the two cultures because they have similar root origins, but the cultures of course right. see them a little bit differently because the cultures value things differently. Sure. Um, Zenithar, it's kind of funny. Zenithar, as we'll go into, it's kind of, in the grand scheme of things, much um, less involved. It's Zenithar is much more straightforward. It is, it is kind of just like a more specialized realm than I feel some of the others, as we'll go into, which as a result kind of makes it less elaborate because it's like, you know, commerce, mer you know, mercantile, the god of basically being middle class, <laughs> which is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, Man, why don't we have one of those? <laughs> right. The middle class right. could sure use one of those lately. But. As somebody, you know, who is not part of the wealthy elite or whatever, it, it, right. it's kind of uh, pretty relatable because it's at least covering or aiming to cover a much broader spectrum of you're not part of the no nobility. And I mean, back in medieval times, which Elder Scrolls generally kind of mimics medieval times with different cultures and stuff like that. But time period wise, medieval times peasantry and merchants i mean unless you were destitute and a beggar peasants and merchants were your middle class so the majority of tamriel i would assume would actually fall into the category of somebody who would probably relate to zenithar as a whole one would think yeah, I would imagine that they are the majority of the I mean, basically, it's the working class, right? It's the yeah, it's the working um, class in a medieval exactly. system. You have serfs and then you have lords. And if you're not if you're a lord or higher, you are part of the aristocracy. You are a landowner. Anyone right. else is a serf. And the only people below that are the absolutely destitute, insane uh, the, the, the forgotten, the, the one, the diseased, the people like the, the dregs of society that nobody else wants to spend any time with, uh, you know, the extreme criminals, the people that basically get kicked out of society. But for the majority of a medieval system, you're, you're a serf. Um, and up until the time of the Renaissance, you have, uh, mostly that that's the way, uh, the European caste system was was built out and eventually you would have the growth of the middle class which were like the merchant class right the ones who would yep. who would go beyond just tilling the land for some other landowner they're the kinds of people who would make things or travel and trade things and, and do these kinds of things but in this world it's as if xenophar xenophar xenithar it kind of <laughs> is kinda, you know in cyrodiil you've got more of that merchant class um in Daggerfall, you've got more of that merchant class, but overall, it's just kind of the working people's god. Right. And I mean, generally, we've been trying to bring up. Uh, I actually don't know where my little statue is. The last couple of times we've done a picture, but this one's really simple with the shrine and or Zenithar's, uh, you know, kind of emblem, symbol, whatever you want to call it. Anvil. Go yeah. Yeah. It's an anvil. Like. There's not much more working class than like an anvil because right. that's where your blacksmith does his crafting, which will then provide weaponry to or tools to those also in the working class. So it's it's just like it's kind of an all encompassing thing to have an anvil represent Zenithar. So, yeah, totally. Uh, the, the creation of 
um, things that get sold and then the sales of those things. Yeah. So it would make exactly. sense. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Um, so there you go. So it, the article goes on and says he has strong ties to Cyrodiil and High Rock, which makes sense, right? The Cyrodiilians, the you know, Daggerfall area, High Rock. Um, the introduction of the worship of Zenithar was largely tolerated in Hammerfell due to his similarities to a Yakutan agricultural deity. And uh, let's we, we can go ahead and talk about this because there was a, a question that came up last week when we were talking about Stendar. And notice we jumped over Talos. So we'll get back to Talos because that's a much bigger yeah. topic. Zet is the Yakutan god of farms. Uh, Yakutan god of agriculture renounced his father after the world was created, which is why Tall Papa makes it so hard to grow food. Freaking, it's never easy to grow food now, is it? He is the father of Zeki. He forsakes the land of Hughes Bane, preventing most food from growing there. So he doesn't like Hughes Bane very much. Um, which is interesting because it's not called Zet's Bane. It's called Hughes Bane. Hughes Bane. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So that's that's Zet, the god of farms. And you can see that farming would be a part of that production class, that labor class. So that's where the connection comes from. Yep. We could talk a little bit about the Zun, um, the Nordic god that is associated with Xenathar. And Zun is the Nordic god of trials against adversity. He died defending shore from foreign gods. So he was one of the two that did that. Um, so he's the brother of Stun. That's why their names are similar. And that's the connection to Stendar. Stendar, Xenathar, Tsun or Stun and Tsun. They were both shield thanes of Thor. These both worked together in in that Nordic pantheon and were connected very much to Shore or or Lorcan. So you've got all of that connecting and being similar. Um, that's kind of where the similarity falls. I, I guess ends for me. Like I don't understand Master of Trials. I guess being a laborer is a trial is the connection. I'm not really sure how that associates well with Xenathar, but yeah, sometimes you have these cultural changes where you just kind of grab a, a God that's similar and then you just kind of fill the slot. So sure, which I guess, you know, kind of quickly jumping over on the idea of things sort of relating, but also <laughs> Are you kind of making the piece fit more than the piece is fitting necessarily? Yeah. Who's to say how it all gets started? Uh, Zen that we were mentioned with the Bosmeri. Um, it's in in Bosmeri. It's the god of toil, vengeance, agriculture, and payment in kind. So there's some connection there. Mm -hmm. What with agriculture? Okay, you're working class. Um, <laughs> God of toil is a strange thing to have, but again, you're you're doing labor, which theoretically you labor, could be toiling in the fields or toil. whatever. Yeah, those are yeah, connected. exactly. It's sure. labor. Yeah. Um, and then it, it, vengeance is a little out there. That that's like okay. Well, there's to what we've discussed with other gods. Vengeance kind of just gets added in. It's like all right. Well, that's a little that's a little different than than the you know previous working class idea. And then payment in kind actually that almost seems like a mix between vengeance and the potential to have it be um, you know honest pay for honest work or 
at the same time an eye for an eye you could you could look at it both yeah, ways payment in kind so, I, I would imagine that that is um yeah a, a fair trade right that yeah. is that's the equivalent of, of fair trade maddie thank you so much for the raid maddie just jumped in here with a oh, bunch of people from from his stream if you guys don't know maddie you should go check out his stream he is he, he is the only snow khajiit and you mm-hmm. know last if, of his kind last of his kind so you should go check out his streams madigan thank you for joining us everybody welcome we're in the middle of the elder scrolls lorecast talking about zenithar finishing up our divine so you're welcome to stay and chat with us we're going through some of the connections here so yeah the the idea of zen of the bosmeri representing toil and payment in kind it's almost like these are analogous words to um to simply uh what was the word toil is the same as um uh what was the other word we we just said it uh falling out of my brain um agriculture basically hard, other... hard work right hard work oh yeah oh, oh, oh i thought you were talking about the individual things he can for yeah hard work you know an honest living type of deal right like an honest, honest living living type of deal and like, then yeah. payment in kind is trade it's like they're just sure the words that that culture would use more likely seems to be and and they're very very close um together i i don't know i'm losing words as i try to describe this but i i know yeah exactly there there is a connection there which was kind of the point of referencing zen a bit more was it's another one of these situations where a culture has a lot of similar similar traits to the god they're related to but at the same time there's also a couple differences in there which could relate to that specific culture in and of themselves the boss may have some interesting um and rather unique cultural differences from many of the other races in tamriel so as a result their little twist seems to be almost the vengeance side of things added into the you know honest middle class working situation as well right right so let's move on with the um the zenithar side of this because that's kind of the core part that we're most familiar with the introduction of the worship of zenithar was largely tolerated in hammerfell i mentioned this due to the similarities to the yukudin deity his worshipers say that despite his mysterious origins zenithar is the god quote that will always win his priests teach that the path to peace and prosperity is through earnest work and honest profit, not through war, bloodshed, and theft. And I think this is particularly interesting because of the saying that um, the only winners of war are the people who who are kind of behind the war and fund it. I mean, that's... There's a phrase that I I can't think of the common phrase, but it's the reason why, for example, the United States came out on top after World War II. Um, If you study things about history, you you learn that the United States going into World War One was very uh, was kind of laughed at on the world stage. They're like, okay, there's a bunch of cowboys. They had a a civil war. What kind of what are they going to do during during World War One? And we stood up mm-hmm. and did did our thing. Right. And so that that gained sure. some respect by World War Two. We tried to stay out of it. We came in a few years later and we yep. helped the allies win. We created a lot of uh, we, we sent in a lot of soldiers. We created a lot of vehicles and, you know, machines of war. And we really held our place in it, especially with things like um, paratroopers and 
uh, technology and, and when it came to creating the nuclear bombs and, and these kinds of things. But so much of what the United States did before and then even during the war was manufacture and sell products to the countries that were going to war. And so the real winners of a conflict like that were the merchants, the people who were making and selling things rather than the people who were actually fighting in the war. So Correct. I, I have so, a feeling that this is connected to that kind of philosophy. Not, not directly related to the straight up World War II thing, although depending upon your takes on things, you know, it, it's fine. But in, in the grand scheme of things, when you have actually, well, related to Elder Scrolls Online, because it's the most recent current running Elder Scrolls game we have, really, other than the spinoffs like on phone, um, you've got the Three Banners War. Theoretically, Xenathar would be coming out, you know, or or the idea of Xenathar's, you know, influence would be coming out best because whichever of the merchants supplying their siege weapons, gear, equipment, similar scenario, mm-hmm. without even necessarily making it a malicious thing, although you can add in the vengeance thing if you'd like from Zen, but that's <laughs> not really what I'm going for. Right, um, but right. it it becomes a thing of those merchants for better or worse are profiteering. They're war profiteering from this situation because their direct benefit comes from this war carrying on because their goods will be in demand as long as there's reason to make them. You don't need to make armor and weapons if everybody's at peace. However, business is booming. If you have a three banner war where all these sides are just constantly in chaos in the middle. You got to have supplies if you're going to keep doing it. So, right, right. So it it's interesting because although uh, although Xenathar is not necessarily for war and bloodshed and theft, there's definitely the side of like, well, you can still prosper from it because it's going to happen anyway. Um, so it, it, and then that inevitably turns back around to. Like what you're saying, like, well, then let's just let it keep happening because we're the ones right, profiting, right? It, right? Like, yeah, there, there's an incentive to let it carry on. Yeah, yeah. I really like uh, the quote Crystal uh, put in chat. Uh, the people who got rich uh, off the gold rush were the ones selling the shovels. Yeah, <laughs> that's very it's, it's a great way of explaining it another way. It's like, right. well, that's not incorrect. <laughs> right. It's It's more of a sure bet. You know, like, yeah, it, it is like if you're going to if min- you're going to take up arms risk management. Exactly. If you're going to take up arms and go fight, then you will either win or you'll lose. And even if yes. you win, you may not make out of out of that situation with things that make your life better. But if you're the person who is supplying the weapons and the tools, then you're most likely going to win <laughs> because yeah, all you have to do is just you just create you just fill in the business right so that's yeah. kind of the concept here so it goes on and says yeah. zenithar is seen as a warrior god but one who is restrained and reserved in times of peace so there's still that kind of connection to war it's like sure. war but being smart about it yeah he is thought to be associated with kinnereth as well as a large star or a large blue star sometimes seen in the skies of tamriel it is also said that he is most in touch with the mortal world and that he created the mace of the crusader for Pelena Whitestrake. And we talked about this before. It's like every one of the divine created Everybody something. gives Whitestrake a gift. <laughs> right. Everybody gave him a gift. So congratulations. He gave him the mace um, to help him defeat Umaril the Unfeathered. The na- nobody liked Umaril the Unfeathered. Nobody liked the him. Elves. Right. Right. And the, the quote about... Um, 
as well as a large blue star sometimes seen in the skies of Tamriel comes from the book King Edward part eight. And I'm going to have to dig into more of that about this because the, these manuscripts are actually fairly large and I haven't read through this whole thing to see what that reference is. Um, it's from Daggerfall. So it's an older story, so it may not even have anything to do with the more recent lore bits. But as we've noted before, sometimes going back to this stuff is really interesting. So I'm going to make a mental note to dive a little bit more into that and just see, is, is there something else going on there with this blue star and the that reference? Oh, interesting. Because it's, it's not a common reference. It's another one of those like this showed up in one place, you know, 20 years ago in a game from 20 years ago and does it, what does it really mean? You know, and Daggerfall being one of the ones I have yet to completely conquer. I don't have an answer to that. I, I did not know that's a, a, a thing, actually, until you just brought that up. I didn't even see that in the notes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the Nerevarine purposely received his gauntlets, Xenathar's warning and Xenathar's wiles. A blacksmith's anvil, anvil is a symbol representing labor and production. Yeah. Temples devoted to him are sometimes called resolutions, which I think is a really interesting name. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's a good name for a temple. Yeah. Yeah. So they're called the, the resolutions of Zen or Xanathar, depending on yeah, the sure. region they're in. Um, and it's a temple dedicated to Xanathar. Uh, blah, 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 blah. These are generally the place of worship of Xenophar, Xenathar. The resolution was designed to be adapted with the current times, but resilient to its unforgiving nature, hence the name. So this idea that like these temples and the worship of Xenathar can change with the times, but still maintains its own foundational point, you know, uh, labor and trade being the two most prominent. Um, there's also knights related with that and some other things going on there. So nothing else too super interesting. But um, uh, let's see. Let's continue with this part. It says worship of Xenathar is typically more prevalent in some geographic areas, such as Leowin, Tatambu and Cambria. One form of an offering to Xenathar is to burn crops at a shrine of him to offer thanks for prosperity. And this makes sense from the concept of crops being the thing that is most commonly created through labor uh, in a medieval style society where most people would be farmers. So right. there you go. And this was a very common thing in many historical uh, religious contexts. The burning of crops as a as an offering is very, very common. It's a very biblical thing, like Old Testament kind of thing, which is Funny enough, that's actually a quest you do in Cyrodiil if you're trying to do the town quests. Mm -hmm. um, when you go to Cropsford, just burning the um, whatever they are that you burn. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. That's 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 a repeatable daily, which I actually think might have been one of the uh, quests for the day for that uh, new endeavor system. So it's just it's. In game, as much as it's just a thing, <laughs> Crystal says, if I remember correctly, God really hated vegetables. Um, I believe this is where <laughs> yep. the, the term right. tithing came from, because a tithe is really a tenth. And the idea would be that, like, if you created if you grew crops, when it came time to take the crops in, you would reserve a tenth of them for your offering as thanks to God for providing you your bountiful harvest, that kind of thing. So that's where tithe I believe the origins of that phrase came from. You guys are welcome to correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm, I'm digging back in old brain stuff. Um, 
This article ends with uh, the Daggerfall Merchants Guild was known to award small golden anvils in Zenithar's name to upstanding members. So you get a little, get a little tiny little gold anvils. That's nice. There you go. You make a little a swords on it. Lapel. You make a little gold yeah. swords on a little gold anvil, and then it'll get all dented up. Zenithar <laughs> <laughs> um, appeared to the Nerevarine during their service to the Imperial Cult as a red guard named John Hawker. And after he had been freed, he gave the hero some artifacts named after him. The mace from the Crusaders relics was created by him. So yep. um, this is interesting. This part right here about appearing to the Nerevarine. Usually we get appearances of Daedra. You'll find like, I don't know, some Daedra person appeared and did this thing and they're because they're more active in the world or they sent a message through a messenger or, um, you know, there, there's lots of different ways that they do this. But this concept of Zenithar appearing as a specific red guard named John Hawker, like a specific individual with a specific name is very rare in in the research that we've done and in my experience of the games, this idea that a divine and Adra did that reached out in that way. Um, yeah, maybe Zen is just more willing to do the hard work. <laughs> maybe it seems like, like Zenithar might actually have more of a hands-on role with humanity than some of the other yeah, Adra. Definitely. This is much more direct intervention than the metaphorical one you get a lot of the times. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder, I wonder why that is. And I wonder, you know, th this shows up during the story of Morrowind, uh, the Elder Scrolls three. So yeah, it's still a while back. It's a while back. Uh, the writers at the time were different. Um, so I, I don't know. I guess it, I don't, I don't have another theory on that because it hasn't happened anywhere else. So yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, tell you what, we've got some artifacts to talk about, and I want to pick uh, Lotus's brain about the big event going on at ESO right now. So we're going to go thank our patrons, and we'll be back in just a second. The skies are marked with numberless sparks, each a fire, and every one a sign. Looking for an RPG podcast that isn't just D&D? Roll to cast is the answer. No, no, wait, sorry. What games have we played so far? Well, we've done Cyberpunk 2020. What does it mean to have a voice? And there's going to be something big coming, Chumba. Hey, if you're listening, I won. I beat you. You suck. There was a time when we were slamming things against our phones and... <laughs> Vampire the Masquerade. Chloe, Sam. You can't use those words! He's going to grab Vincent, press him against the wall. I mesmerize him. This is Adelaide's Anarch movement. First out of your chair, your hand goes to your gun and you draw. Hulk Cthulhu. Told you I had it. Oh, we've all got the creeps going. I love it so oh, yeah, much. Right Screechy child. <laughs> my favorite daughter. Maybe after what we just seen, we're feeling a bit trigger happy. And the new Cyberpunk Red. Babe, you're good, but better. Thought maybe you might be able to give me a counter-off. Straight through his neck. I don't see bone either, but I'm not gonna look. My leg's fine. I always knew you wanted to fly, kid. Come find me. Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. A new game every season. Original music. Original stories. Interviews with the creators. And delightful Aussie accents. Listen to us on all good podcatchers. Even support us on Patreon for bonus content. That's Roll to cast. R-O-L-E. Come discover a new world. Patrons, you guys are amazing. Thank you so much for supporting this show and the work that we do, the product that we create. Um, you're, you're amazing. You guys 
Holy moly. We are hoping to do our patron episode. We have, you know, it's always funny to me. We have six people who are tier four or higher and um, trying to get everyone together to do an episode is always a little bit tricky because it's like they're, they're happy to support the show. But like, eh, maybe if they can make it in chat, then we'll make it in chat. You know, if not, that's cool. So hopefully we can get everyone together on Thursday next week. And that'll be the first. So it'll be right after the end of the month in order to have our patron chat. So be, you know, get ready for that. That's coming down down the way. But thank you to everybody who supports the show. Thank you, especially to Ethan J. He is our Akatosh or Lorcan. I'm still not sure which. And to Daniel O and Noodle Al Dente, our Daedric Princes, our tier five patrons. You guys are amazing. And every other one of you, all 52 of you, you guys are awesome. Thank you for your support. I really do appreciate it. If you're interested in helping to support the show and getting free stuff like ad free episodes a day early or discounts on the store. Oh, and I'm wearing my uh, Elder Scrolls Lorecast shirt today. I've got a green one and it's the this is one of the old ones. I don't think these are around it. I think it's the newer design. Yeah, I was going to say that's like the original one. Those are the original ones. Those, those are those are those are gone. These are OG, you know, and on the store right now, we still have the year two design which I need to update soon. It's been about halfway through the year now. I need to make sure that I've got the year three design on there for anybody who wants it. And then the year two design is going to go bye bye. So if anyone wants to grab that, that'll be leaving the store in a little bit. Um, but yeah, thank you. Thank you to everyone for your support. Patreon.com slash Elder Scrolls Lorecast. And let's get on with the rest of our show. Yes, yes, you're entirely brilliant. Conquering madness and all that. Blah, 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 blah. All right. Let's talk about this this mace thing that Zenithar created. The Mace of the Crusader, also known as the Mace Mace of Zenithar. Maybe I should talk like this the rest of the episode. The Mace of Zenithar. That'll really make it easy to understand all of the deepest lore. <laughs> I'm sure I'm sure it'll really make everybody who listens to the show very happy. Those, yeah, though the strikes are birthed by holy flames. <laughs> I'm also not sure what accent we've added to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost Sylvester the cat, sort of. It's like Sylvester right. the cat meets yeah. um, the guy from uh, uh, the uh, what's the, the, um, the bride movie. The uh, oh, the Princess Bride. Princess Bride. The um, you know the guy. Yeah. The, uh, the, the what's the eccentric face? guy who poisons himself with? Yes. The, yeah. Yeah, that guy. Iocane powder. I forget what exactly yeah, it was. I don't remember. Um, all our Princess Bride fans are currently screaming at the thing. Of course. Which, of course. Sh- sh- <laughs> they, see? Another re- <laughs> connection right to the unofficial Elder Scrolls pages. Um, and Doc loves the Princess Bride, so she'll be screaming the answer into the speakers right now, I'm sure. Absolutely. I, was, I can't remember. I rewatched that show, like that movie, a few months ago because we wanted my son to, to see it because he'd never seen it. It's so good. Um, I can't remember I don't have it memorized, but it's so I don't, good. I don't have it memori- memorized either, except for except for um, Mailwitch. <laughs> That's that part um, is real good. Anyway, so those that strikes are burnt by holy flames and it has the ability to turn the undead. According to legend, when Pelinal Whitestrake was slain, a messenger carried the mace to the settlement of Leowin. Centuries later, the master craftsman, St. Kalidas, built the great chapel of Zenithar to honor the legend. When Kalidas died and was entombed in the chapel, those who prayed to him began to receive visions of the mace. That reminds me of like, uh, speaking of other movies, the, the quest for the Holy Grail, when... Um, 
Uh, oh, so, oh my God. We're just going to forget names all over the place on this episode. What is going on? Um, the, the pure knight, uh, what was his name? The castle anthrax with all the single ladies. Um, uh, and he sees yeah, the, the grail, like the symbol of the grail above the castle. And he's like, I saw the grail. I saw it. Uh, it wasn't oh, Sir, Robin. Sir Robin. And it wasn't Sir yeah. Robin. It was, um, uh, Percival. No, it was. Is that his name? I don't know. You guys are you guys are gonna be know. on your radius. But yeah, he saw he saw the sign of the of the grail above the castle. Vague references to things as opposed to actually yeah. concrete. You know that one movie that has like knights and stuff in it? Yeah, that one. Um <laughs> so yeah, so they they were seeing these visions of the mace. Uh in the vision, the mace can be seen in the distance, separated by a void. The void symbolizes doubt, and the inscription on the tomb says to quote, walk in the faith. Sir Ralvas of the original knights attempted hundreds of times to reach the mace, but failed each time. The pilgrim later discovered that the boots of the crusader are needed to cross the void. Zenithar has close ties to Kinnereth. A craftsman needs to take the resources from the natural world. With the boots, the path of life was illuminated and the pilgrim recovered the mace. So and again, that connection for uh Kenrith and Zenithar, like these connections between the two divines are interesting. Uh that's not Stendar, that's Kinnereth. So it's a different one than previously we mentioned. But I I wonder like this raises another question for me that might be something worth looking up. Um the different times that the different Adra or Daedra are connected in very specific ways in order to fulfill a quest or some sort of like mm -hmm. old, old lore thing. I, I bet we could create like a kind of like a, one of those like web maps of like these two work together and then these two work together and then these two work together, but nobody works with this guy, you know, like and have one of those, like these are the people who are most likely to group up and what they do yeah. and, and why that would be interesting. Yeah. Some of the parallels to why, well, I, same situation, you know, Sometimes you get weird pairings based on something that's happening in the real world that normally wouldn't be a situation you would expect two to be paired by. So given that these entities have been around for so, so long, it's curious if something, you know, thousands of years ago linked them together and then it's just kind of been like, oh, well, they were linked because of this. And maybe it's not even so much a, a carried forward thing, but it's a thing that people remember from a time they were linked or something like that. That's that's also something that I've been curious about because some of them seem less relevant than others at certain points when it's like, really, those two still have like a connection, whereas mm. some are a little more, you know, when you, when you have like um you know more direct connections a wife a concubine of someone okay well that's a pretty straightforward connection whereas just like some of them it's almost tangentially connected so that's an interesting difference that some of them have yeah yeah and some of them are just more obvious than others also that yeah yeah <laughs> some so of them it, it makes sense that they would work together so to speak just just in terms of like what they represent because of just similar interests Exactly. So sure. the concept of like Stendar, Stendar, God of Mercy, Charity, Luck, Justice, this part right here, Justice connecting to things like labor and trade makes sense because you want you want to be yep. fairly treated for your hard work. You want to have fair trade. You want your trade to be just like uh, that right. makes sense. So Stendar and Zenithar working together 
that totally makes sense to me like that seems I, yeah it, they go hand in hand it seems like you an obvious connection really have yeah it almost it's a situation you wouldn't see it functionally working without them kind of connecting to each other right right it, now it'd be a lot harder to have an honest trade deal if if people were just trying to scam each other over exactly exactly and if you do get something you know stolen from you in a, in a trade agreement that goes bad or uh you get screwed over in a working agreement then you want justice you seek justice for it that it's a very direct connection uh kinnereth uh, the goddess of heavens winds elements unseen spirits of the air that's not an, an immediate like <laughs> Yeah, mm, I mean, I guess the winds and the elements, you need it to rain in order to create crops, which you labor. But I feel like that's like two steps removed rather than just one. The one it, thing that it is because, you know, boat travel for for transporting of goods. It's that's like, OK, the other well, one. wind could relate to that. Like right. you could tangentially attach these things, but it's more of I'm looking for a way to connect them as opposed to the connection just being there that I'm noticing. Exactly. Exactly. So like a sailor who is a merchant it would make sense that they would worship both Kinnereth and Xenathar. Those two would make a lot of sense together. But outside yep. of that, it seems a lot more of a stretch. Sure. Maybe farmers, but like I said, that's kind of two steps removed. Um, and I mean, you can make connections between any of these things because everybody's lives have something to do with the natural aspects of the world and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, it's it's one of those interesting things that makes me wonder sometimes. The other item here is, and I mentioned this earlier in the text, it says uh, Xenathar's warning and Xenathar's wiles. Now, these aren't just like things that Xenathar says or does. These are gloves. So Xenathar's warning and Xenathar's wiles are a pair of gloves that have magical effects such as reducing an adversary's ability and willingness to fight and increasing people's disposition towards the wearer, which I think is pretty cool because as we know, he's he's a warrior, but he's a smart warrior. So the idea yeah. of like, if you can win a battle without ever having to raise a fist and just get somebody to stop fighting you, then maybe you win or right. The idea is to work smarter, not harder in his case. Exactly. So that's where these make a lot of sense. Um, so I think Xenathar's Xenathar's a, a smart one. I think I think I like Xenathar uh, and stands out a bit differently than some of these other Adra, in my opinion. Yeah. And. The other just before we like kind of close things up, um, since I'm more game oriented and I like learning the lore that I don't know or expanding on what I do know. Uh, one thing that I definitely wanted to bring up just because it's very relevant to the new chapter in Elder Scrolls Online Blackwood that just launched. Um, if you haven't, well, if you do own that, you would need to own the chapter. But um, if you have the chapter and have not been to Leowin yet, as we had mentioned, uh, strong connections in Leowin and there being, you know, the chapels throughout the region and stuff like that. Um, the great chapel in Leowin, the reason I bring it up, other than it's directly a chapel to Zenithar, um, in game, if you stand in town, I can't recommend enough um, if you like the concept of like ambiance to things. The bells in the tower when you're just in Leowin, when the uh, Great Chapel sets them off. I don't know the exact timing that they're on. It's probably supposed to be hourly in game, but I'm not sure how that relates. They mm -hmm. sound so cool. They did such a good job making them ring throughout the city and they get like louder and softer based on how close you are in proximity to the actual um, 
chapel. Interesting. I haven't paid that much attention to them. I'll have to walk around. Strong recommendation. I know yeah. a lot of people when they've seen it, they're like, what is that? I'm like, it's huh. the chapel. It's so awesome. I, it sounds so great. So I definitely recommend it. If you haven't seen them, go to Leowin. You can't miss the, you can't miss the, the chapel. It's, it's enormous. Um, and just wait outside for a little while. They go off pretty frequently, but they're really, really pretty to listen to. Very cool. Yeah, I'll have, to, I'll have to do that next time I jump in the game. That sounds really cool. So yeah. that's uh, that's Zenithar. Let's let's talk a little bit about what's going on right now with ESO. We have this is your favorite event, right? It is my favorite event. It's yeah. my favorite event, um, and it's a lot of people's not favorite event. But well, it just depends. <laughs> it depends on what you play the depends, game for, right? Exactly. But uh, it is the PvP event, Mid Year Mayhem, which. We originally were thinking like, oh, what should we, should we do something that relates to it? And we realized we already did. Hell in a white streak is what, yeah. kind of the, you know, main dude that gets talked about during the. Uh, yes. And this yeah. is kind of his event, so to speak, where it's a uh, commemoration of him cutting a bloody swath across <laughs> Tamriel. being a violent racist. Smashing yes. all the elf faces. Right, yeah. yeah. So good job. Um, yeah, good work. Um, but if you don't know what uh, Mid-Year Mayhem is, or if you don't play ESO, or you're new to ESO, um, it is just a event that kind of encourages the PvP aspect, which is by far the least played aspect of the game. I mean, the community to the PvP side is still very large. Oh, and they're, um, they're very intense about it, too. They, oh, they sure are, especially in those uh, ESO live chats. Um, but... Yep. They um, they double what you get is uh, basically your PVP experience points are alliance points, uh, which you can also get as a currency so you can spend them. If you don't like PVP, now is the time to just jump in real quick to get any skills you might like out of those skill lines because you will earn them twice as fast. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a great time to do that. Um, there's also a lot more people who are not experienced because of that exact reason. So it's a little less intense if you don't already play PVP. You'll still run into people trucking you, uh, you know, um, yes. be because of them <laughs> playing it a lot. But you'll also have a bigger pool of players in general just because the population will go up so much. Don't worry if you die in PVP. It is totally not a big thing. People get worried about it. You can die as many times as you want. And from somebody who's played a lot, a lot of PVP and I'm not the greatest at it, it that's really not you might still have fun with it like i can't stress enough um me several of my friends promethean from uh he hasn't been on as much recently because of school in real life but um promethean last mid-year mayhem uh got crowned emperor i've been crowned emperor before uh, you know we're not even pvpers we're not the red diamond curry who actually like go out of their way to live and breathe pvp mm. <laughs> um and you can still do so much if you're smart about it. Again, perfect connection to Zenithar. Work smarter, not harder. So right. <laughs> there it is. So when it comes to jumping into this for somebody who uh, is probably more like one of our listeners, somebody who likes to play through the story parts and, and really yep. get the lore and the world and that kind of thing. Sure. Do you have any like just tips for starting out? Like it, it, let's say you have a character that's very PVE and yes. maybe you're even, you know, uh, 50, 160 CP, you've got some good gear for PVE stuff. You'd maybe do some dungeons, maybe even dabble in some trials. Um, mm -hmm. But you're going, okay, well, I've got all this stuff, but it's focused PVE. What, what would you recommend they, you know, what, what is something very simple they could do in, you know, 20, 30 minutes 
to get their character kind of ready for something that would work better for PvP to jump into the event. So, surprisingly, and this will catch a lot of this will probably catch a lot of flack from people who like actually play v- pvp you can actually make pve gear work surprisingly well in pvp you're not going to be best in slot you're not going to be just wrecking on everybody but if you have a pretty solid build from different aspects it's not like you're useless in the other game mode and vice versa Mm -hmm. if you bring your pvp gear into pve no you're not going to be just trucking through vet hard modes and all that stuff but you can go through dungeons just fine like it kind of works on the inverse in fact sometimes we go into battlegrounds all in our pve gear and still like either put up a good fight or we'll win outright so right. it's not the end of the world it's really just a matchup against who you're against the biggest thing i always tell people is it might not be for you but there's really no drawback to giving a shot and see if you like it mm-hmm. um if you're just trying to do quests and stuff like that now is probably because cyrodiil um has a lot and imperial city has a lot of pve questing you can do in the pve zone that's true or yeah. in the pvp zone sorry um which is really cool um it's problematic obviously if people are camping those quest zones to try to gank you or something like that which fancy word for you know jump you when you're not paying attention um, <laughs> fancy word. But, but at the same time it's it's there most of the other time. Uh, so, well, all of the other time. So you can always go back later to do it. During this event, one of the easiest things to do, and it give you a good feel for it, most people in zone chat will be trying to organize these big things. And it's fine if you don't understand where the direction is or any of that stuff. Um, I've led plenty and I've, I've just been in groups. I prefer not to lead groups. It's a lot of work. Uh-huh. <laughs> sure. But, my best suggestion to get your kind of get your feet wet in the event if it's something you have interest in is put looking for group in zone chat uh type an x up in zone chat Uh, a lot of times they'll be asking or is anybody looking for a group if you can do something to support people have some heals uh make yourself really durable so that you can just kind of soak damage that is more helpful than many people realize in pv like being new to pvp that can actually help quite a bit even if like say you generally aren't a healer but you can slap on a a bar a a resto staff and heal some people people will appreciate that especially if you can throw down some purges for everybody or a siege shield or something like that these are all skills that you don't need to specify into to be half decent at um and you'll get picked up by a big group When you're picked up by a big group, they're going to have their focus. They'll likely be focusing with multiple different groups. Um, Follow Crown. Crown will be the person in the lead. Whoever is leading the group will have a little crown on the map. Follow them around. That's literally what you're going to want to do. Nobody's ever going to get mad at you for following Crown um, because it keeps Mm -hmm. you focused. It keeps you together. And then throw down siege equipment. They, They hand it out like candy. The ballistas and trebuchets and all that stuff and if you don't know what to do and you don't want to be on voice cat chat totally fine watch what the group of people is doing just follow suit people love it when random players join their group and just follow with what they're doing and help out and as a result of doing that when you're capturing keeps or killing enemies you will get a 
crap ton of uh, AP during this event and level up your own skills. You get rewards from the event. It's it, you can actually have a good time with it, even if PvP isn't your thing. Yeah. And you don't need to be good at it to support your team. Sure. Yeah. Follow the team, support the team. Um, and if you have a, a build that's way more uh, high DPS, low survivability, then swap out some some skills. Give yourself some more survivability or more uh, abilities to buff people around you and kind of be a team player. And then yeah, and I have a feeling if you if you follow everyone around for a while, too, you're you're going to catch more of like the ebb and flow of the combat. You're going to catch more about like, OK, this is this is why we're going to this area first. This is why we're we're forcing this. How this I is, learned all those years ago. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because uh, the people leading the group are going to know that stuff and you'll pick it up yep. just by just by following along. So, yeah, that's that's some great advice. I think that that's a really good place yeah. for people to start. And if it's not your thing. Don't sweat it. You'll probably end up by the time you make a firm decision after giving it a shot, you'll probably have the entire skill trees unlocked. Mm -hmm. So because there's only 10 ranks in the Alliance War for each skill line, there's a defensive and an assault line. So it's like you, you'll level them up quick enough that you've got the skills unlocked. So you if you don't like it, then don't go back to it. It's it's fine, but it's you won't know if you don't try. And um, the zone it of Cyrodiil has some neat little side quests and repeatables and stuff like that. Again, don't suggest it during the event, but do yourself a favor. Um, even if you can get maybe a, just a, a few friends that do PVE as well, that are, are you know, there's strength in numbers. Try your best if you can. Don't sleep on the Imperial City main quest line. You start it in the safe zone of your alliance, and it involves someone called the Drake of Blades. It is one of the best slash most overlooked, underappreciated oh, yeah. quests in Elder Scrolls Online because it is in a PvP zone. It is so good, though. Uh, definitely, definitely recommend yeah, it's kind of like the hidden part of the game. <laughs> it's a hidden jewel, 100%. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is. Most people are b barely even aware it exists, let alone how good it is. Right, right. And it came out a while ago at this point. So Sure did. It, it makes... was the first DLC in, added to the game, actually, if yeah. you don't count Craglorn. <sighs> yeah, that's, man. Well, cool. Some good advice. Um, well, thanks for joining me again. And Sure. My um, pleasure. Patrons, uh, hopefully we'll we'll get some of you guys able to join us next week. It'll be the first, so that'll be the uh, the Thursday, the first at nine p.m. Eastern on twitch.tv slash robots radio so hopefully we'll be able to do that if we can't do a patron episode then we'll figure out another time to do it but um please chime in if you're one of the tier four or higher patrons and if there's something that we can do to to help you match your schedule a little bit better then we'll try to do that as well uh lotus you have anything else going on you want to share before we head out um not really just um from my perspective if you ever need to get a hold of me i'm on twitter and twitch and uh discord i guess as well as lotus of doom uh, i stream when i can and um yeah we'll be recording ideally tales of tamriel again this weekend probably delving into mid-year mayhem in depth with the three of us um but uh yeah other than that uh no just kind of just kind of enjoying the new expansion and not enjoying playing battle spire still <laughs> Well, uh, good, I guess. Um, <laughs> fifty percent good. Fifty percent good. Uh, yeah, and good for your people who like watching you suffer on stream. So everybody seems to really enjoy that, and that's why I'm happy to continue. Yeah, that's great. That's good. <laughs> um, let's see. I've got all all my stuff going on. Robotsradio.net for all the shows on the network. The Mass Effect Lorecast has just taken off. It's doing an amazing 
amazing job. Um, people seem to really be loving it. We're getting a, a really positive response. I guess this is the way I should, I should say that we're doing such a good job on that show. Um, I'm so great. <laughs> I'm so wonderful. Uh, but uh, we had a, a better than expected response. I guess I, I should say that lots of really positive reviews, lots of people listening. And if you're into mass effect and want to know more about the lore of that universe, because you're jumping into the legendary edition or you're excited about mass effect four, whenever that comes out, then you're welcome to go ch check that out. That happens on Sunday nights at 1030 p.m. Eastern. So you're welcome to join us live for that as well. And then we just launched. Uh, we're only two weapons, two weapons, two episodes in mm -hmm. weapons. We're talking about PvP on all the weapons yep. um, episodes into the Witcher lore cast, which is on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern, right before the Xbox Game Pass show. So what I've been doing is I'm trying to set up shows most of the nights during the week so that regardless of you know what's going on you can just kind of check out the channel after 9 p.m eastern and there might be something going on most of the time it'll be podcasts and probably lore about games that you're probably familiar with or maybe even a game stream so um so come on by follow the channel robots radio on twitch and stop in check out see what what kinds of shows there are because i'm sure there's something for everybody at this point so thanks everyone for tuning in thanks for being here again lotus and chat um, my pleasure good to see you guys we have the dungeons and dragons lorecast coming up next so stay tuned for that and don't go anywhere i will be back in about 20 minutes and we'll see you then all right lotus see you later bye everybody Thanks for listening to the Elder Scrolls Lorecast. If you have something you'd like to contribute to the show, please reach out to us at elderscrollslorecast at gmail.com or on Twitter at ESO Lorecast. I really appreciate you listening and I'd love to hear from you soon. You've been listening to the Robots Radio Podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Following is a public service announcement from the Starter Set Dungeons and Dragons podcast. This is your D&D campaign. This is the Starter Set podcast. You know how like poison frogs don't lick each other's backs. So it's Howl's Moving Castle mm -hmm. with a face. Mm. Hey there, I'm Great Mandibles. Because <laughs> one of the party speaks abyssal. You're all going to die. <laughs> and then adventure falls into your lap. This is your D&D campaign after listening to the Starter Set Podcast. So join Sam and Ed every Friday on the Starter Set Podcast for prime Dungeons & Dragons content. Any questions? Hey Guardians, we are the Destiny Show Podcast, a weekly podcast about all things Destiny 2. We invite amazing guests from the Destiny community to share their stories and discuss the latest topics from the world of Destiny. Check us out on Apple, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, or live on Twitch every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, 4 p.m. Pacific. We will see you starside. Hello, gentle listener. Every Friday, be sure to tune in. What to, the uh, hell are you oh, doing, Ampersand? <laughs> Hi, Charlie. I'm sorry I broke in. And I thought I was the only one to talk to myself. Well, I'm letting everyone know about the Fumbling Four and the Almighty Crit. It's a 5e live play podcast. Join us every week. Where do we find it, you crusty coot? Uh, anywhere you can get all your podcasts. Woohoo! You'll find it every Friday, you stupid cat! <laughs>